Welcome to From the News Bleeds. I'm Seamus Doyle, alongside Vince Lobiondo. Patrick O'Leary's Hello. up in that. Um, we are on back. Instagram. We're back. We're on Instagram Live right now because we had some technical difficulties. Vince's Wi-Fi is just terrible, so it wouldn't no, work for no, him. No, don't, don't you dare. Uh, um, yeah, yep, his Wi-Fi is terrible, so it wouldn't really work for him, but I that's okay. I wish Taylor could uh, speak right now so he could back me up. It's called conflict resolution, right? Um, we solved the conflict. We were on a different platform. Um, obviously, John Madden passed away. Initial reaction is it's sad because he was an icon, right? Um, he was a legend. Vince, I, I know you were young, right, when he was on TV, so you probably don't remember him. But uh, he was a very good good announcer. He was funny. He was entertaining. Um, the only thing I disagree with the uh, NFL statement is the suddenly part because when you're 85 um, – it's it's not un, I think they use unexpected when you're 85 it's never un, never unexpected and I got a lot of shit for that on Twitter but I mean it's just common sense but, <laughs> yeah I'm not surprised you did uh, I don't know why with uh, with all the crazy shit that's been going on in Philly sports Twitter lately I'm I'm the one that has to get attacked but uh, Vince what are your uh, initial thoughts on the passing of uh, John Madden uh, just that it's tragic and that uh, tragic you're gonna use the word tragic. Well, all right, uh, like, what do you want me to say? Like, oh, I don't give a fuck that he died? Like, I don't know, it's sad. He was a legend. <laughs> no, I mean, I was kind of just wondering, like, what your thoughts were um, of him as a broadcaster, as a man of the game, uh, things like that. One of the goats in that aspect. Absolutely. I mean, he was a legend. I mean, people were saying that he was literally, like, a face of the NFL, which is obviously the case. I mean, I think he is the face of the NFL, in my opinion. But yeah, I mean, um, the video game's named after him. Yeah, the video game's named after him. It's uh, definitely a big loss for for, uh, for the sports community and this, uh, obviously specifically the NFL. So uh, rest in peace, John Madden. Um, Speaking so of the, the NFL. Show, the intro for the show is going to be Bruce Springsteen's Santa Claus is Coming to Town live version. And this is kind of like a running joke, a running bit, a running gag amongst uh, From the Nosebleeds listeners. And um, from the Nosebleeds uh, on-air hosts like Vince and Pat, and they're saying that Springsteen's trash and that his version right. is – and that Michael Jackson's version is so much superior, and I think it's version, the opposite. Bruce Springsteen's version is the second best version. It's still very good. I just prefer the Jackson 5. But why? Like I don't, I don't understand what's so appealing about a child singing Santa Claus. It happens You're all the time. There's, there's nothing the revolutionary. There's, but there's Michael, nothing revolutionary about a child singing Santa Claus is Coming to Town. It happens Michael Jackson, time. Michael Jackson, at any age in his life, had a better voice than Bruce Springsteen. Oh, you liked the whole, ah! I wasn't a big fan of the, ah! I didn't like that. Um, it's an objectively better voice. Okay. I mean, singing, singing ability, at least. Well, that's your opinion, but that's a totally different topic. I, I want to talk about the song. Well, the song, since... What can you? What else can you really debate? Neither of them wrote the song. They're singing the same song. It's a song that's about Santa Claus. So it's not like songwriting ability or lyricism plays into it. It just comes down to which one of them performed it better. And Bruce did because he did it live, not in the studio. He made it fun. He talked to Clarence Clemens. He talked to the band. He talked to the audience. He said, "Yeah, I've been doing good on the boardwalk." It was charming. It was fun. But. His voice didn't sound as beautiful as the Jackson 5. Uh, again, I, I just don't understand the obsession with children singing. I mean, like, I don't find that to be entertaining. 
Um, but some people do, I guess. But in my opinion, honestly, I mean, people love the Jackson Five. The Jackson Five have multiple classic songs. Absolutely, and I'm not saying they were terrible. I'm just saying Santa Claus is coming to town. Bruce Springsteen version, the best version, bar none. Bar none. I, I mean, the the listeners of From the Nosebleeds disagree because they voted on my poll and gave it to my uh, from the Jackson Five. That's funny because my uh, listeners voted for Bruce. So I, I just don't understand that connection there or disconnect, but whatever. That's neither here nor there. We have differing opinions. It's America. That's fine. Um, I would like to ask the Instagram live audience if what they feel, if they want to chime in, you can say which better, which Santa Claus coming to town is better. Um, if not, you can tweet us. Vince, what's the, um, from the Nosebleeds Twitter handle? At Nosebleeds PHL. And tell us which version is better. But let's get into the Philadelphia Eagles who are responsible for us missing last week's show because Corona. So um, obviously a fantastic win last week, another very good win. It turned out to be this week against uh, New York. Um, That really opened up pretty quickly, didn't it? I mean, uh, it was, it was a pretty boring defensive. I mean, I won't even want to say defensive, but just like non offensive game. And then out of nowhere, the floodgates opened, and the Eagles really laid it on them. Well, the 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 switch was flipped, as they say, um, and all of a sudden it was just not as big of a blowout as that Dallas game was. But it was a it was a comfortable win, to say the least, for the Philadelphia Eagles, and they are positioning themselves for a playoff spot, and that is exciting. Uh, two weeks ago on the show, I said I didn't really want them to go to the playoffs. They didn't earn a playoff spot. Well, guess what? Two weeks later, they've earned it. They've earned a chance at least to uh, make the playoffs, and you never know what can happen. So I'm yeah, I mean, I thought at that time they didn't deserve the playoffs. The birds bent. I disagreed because, you know, uh, they lost a couple games they should have won, but that's to be expected with a team that is being led by essentially a rookie quarterback and being coached by an almost all-rookie coaching staff, including a rookie head coach, who's never called plays before in his career, who, in my opinion, the biggest takeaway from this game is a positive of Sirianni. I am very pro Sirianni at this point. Um, I think that the early to mid middle of the year, he was getting a lot of criticism. And I think that ever since he uh, listened and decided to run the ball more, I think that his play calling and his decision-making has been a lot better. And I like the way that he coaches the coaching staff. I think that he handles that very well. And honestly, for a first-year head coach, first time calling plays ever, I don't know what more you could uh, want other than just get better every week and learn from each week. Well, to be fair, I, I don't think it's the, the criticism in the beginning of the season was uh, unwarranted. I think he totally deserved the criticism. No. Uh, but that's not to take away from the praise that he's getting um, past couple weeks, which, I mean, that praise is warranted. Uh, I'm not fully sold on Sirianni. I, I don't think anyone really is. Um, again, it's still too early. It, even at the end of the season, if they get this team to the playoffs, they get eliminated in the playoffs – there's still a lot of work to be done with this coaching staff. Um, I'm, I'm not calling for his head, obviously, because I think that, you know, what, I, what I've seen the past two, three, four weeks even is a, is a different Sirianni. But, um, yeah, I would listen, say this team. This is a long term thing. He hasn't um, blown me away, but he hasn't gotten me to the point where I want him gone, obviously. So, yeah. See what happens. I would say if this team makes the playoffs, um, there's still a question with the defensive coordinator who we talked about earlier. I guess it wasn't on here, but 
some for some reason there's reports that people might be looking into him as a head coach. I have no idea who would want to hire Jonathan Gannon as a head coach. But the questions would be left with him. If this team makes the playoffs, let's just say they lose the first round, which wouldn't be that big of a surprise considering right now they're supposed to play the Cowboys. And I think that even being the biased Eagles fans we are, the Cowboys have a very good team when they're clicking. So assuming, assuming we took a loss there, wouldn't be the craziest of things. But a first-round exit, even after making the playoffs, would be pretty uh, a pretty good thing. Um, the offense has looked better. And I think Jalen Hurts earned, has earned at least another year. I think that the offseason would really come down to the GM making the right moves to draft correctly and really build this roster up because it has some young talent there. Well, that's another thing. You bring up Hurts, and it's honestly – I think it's fair to say that this season has been a roller coaster. Um, it's been a roller coaster ride with – with Jalen Hurts, it's been a roller coaster ride with the coaching with the entire coaching staff. It's been a roller coaster ride with um, the lack of depth that we have at receiver outside of Devontae Smith. Um, listen, the running back situation isn't really phenomenal when you have a guy that complains about the fans and Miles Sanders, and then just really isn't good enough to back up his comments about the fans. Um, so, I mean, it's been a roller of a ride. Yeah. So. I do have a comment about not even what Miles said, but about the fans. So if you listen to this show or you know me, you'll know how big of a critic I am of Jalen Reagan. I think the guy is not very good. And all, all the common shit you hear said about him, I pretty much echo it times 100 because I love Justin Jefferson in college. But I will say in that Washington football game, um, seeing Jalen Reger get booed by the home crowd, no matter what he did, it, whether it was a catch, whether it was a drop, whether it was a 15-yard game, whether it was a two-yard loss, no matter what Jalen Reger did in that game, he was being booed. And I do have to say, I think that is stupid because at the end of the day, I can at least understand Jalen Reger did not draft himself above Justin Jefferson. It is not his fault. Uh, it is the fault of Howie Roseman. And obviously, Jalen Reger needs to be better. And that is without a doubt. And I'm in the I'm in the uh, belief that if he plays bad or does bad, which don't get me wrong, he does enough, boo him. But if he does something good, don't just boo him for the sake of it. That's just, in my opinion, that is just stupid and childlike. But the, but, but the thing with – well, I mean, we are talking about Philadelphia sports fans here. But, I mean, yeah. the, thing, the thing with – and I'm about to come to their defense. But the thing with Reger is – He's almost like a different – he's a different player, dude, because meaning the standards that we apply to most of our athletes in this city, um, if you hustle, if you try, if you put in effort and work and get better and try to get better and it's noticeable, we give you praise. If you're consistently bad and have a few minor glimpses of, oh, this guy can be good, but the overall body of work is bad – that says to me as a fan, he doesn't care, number one. Two, he knows he's bad and he's not working hard enough to get better on because the talent is there, in, even in Rager, and he just doesn't give a shit and he isn't working hard. So I understand the fans' um, I understand the fans impatience with Jalen Rager. It, it is long overdue. It's almost like, dude, I know he's not been here 10 years. I mean, we all know that. But he has been so bad in such a short period of time that it's almost like every time he does something good, it's like, fuck, I just want him off the team. So I get it. I, I, yeah. I honestly get it. I get the impatience. I guess my only, like, question would be, like, I don't know what fans think 
booing him every time he touches the ball or touches the field is going to do. Maybe like, motivate him to get better and to try better. I don't know. But. Yeah, and I just think it's a little unfair the the um, the stigma people put like on Philly fans when they do that kind of stuff. It's like, oh, well, like we're just motivating you to get better. Well, you're just assuming that every single athlete has like – and don't get me wrong, a lot of them have to have this mentality to make it this far. But how do you know that won't like mentally break him? And like, I'm, like sure, I mean, like, he's not already mentally broken. I mean, I think he's going to be fine because right. I, I feel like a lot of people just don't look at athletes as hu- and this isn't just in Philly, but they don't look at athletes as human sometimes. Like, like they don't think that that kind of shit can actually take an effect on a player's mental health. And listen, Jalen Reger was bad before we booed him every single time he touched the ball. I'm just saying, yes. like, in the Giants game, in the Giants game, let's call a spade a spade. I think that Jalen Reger played fine. He had a nice return. I think it was in the third quarter, second quarter. I don't remember exactly what it was. Um, I think he played perfectly fine. Like he did have a great. He did everything he needed to do in that game. Everything that was asked of him. Obviously, he didn't like blow anyone out of the water. But like I don't know. Like if he could just consistently like do stuff like that, like he'd be fine. But that's the problem. He doesn't, and and he has the potential to do it because we see glimpses of it every. Not every week, obviously, but we've seen glimpses of Reger being productive. And when he's just not productive in in his job, uh, the fans get frustrated. So, yeah. I don't know. I, Speaking also I, on the fans, I have to say with Philly, another thing that we've talked about endlessly and is talked about endlessly is the quarterback shit in Philly. Any time, like uh, J- Jalen Hurts didn't open the game particularly strong. He looked a little... The whole offense looked wonky for the first two quarters. They all look, they all look the like first, shit. Yeah, the first quarter and a half, two quarters, it was, like, really weird. But I'm just – I wish I lived – I don't know if it's like this in other cities because I don't live there. I don't follow the media there. I don't know how it is. I, I just would love to know if it's, like, in every city, if the quarterback makes one bad throw or misses one read, if everyone in the fan base is calling for the backup quarterback who also who isn't good. Well like, – Calling for Minshew in that situation was totally insane. And I saw people on Twitter that were just – they kept Calling for Minshew – in my opinion, Jalen Hurts has not been bad enough at any point in the season to call for Gardner Minshew. Correct. The only reason Gardner, the only reason Gardner Minshew played is because Jalen was hurt. And that's how it should be because Jalen is very good. Now, let me tell – does Jalen make all the plays he needs to make? Not yet. His arm leaves a little bit to be desired, and I think that we all admit that. But let's also account for the fact that without his feet and his running ability, the Eagles have multiple more losses than they do on the record right now. Correct. His feet have kept the Eagles in a lot of games. And listen, like I just said a second ago, his arm leaves a little bit to be desired. He needs to put more on his deep throws. And sometimes that is a result of him holding on to the ball too long rather than his arm strength, which also does need a little bit of work. But like, for example, that third of Devontae Smith, it was a beautiful throw, obviously a very beautiful catch. But he put it in a position where it can only be caught by Devontae, and I know that has nothing to do with arm strength, but he he has the tools. The tools are there on and off the field because you love to see the way he carries himself. And um, there was obviously that play, I forget exactly when it took place, uh, where he missed Dallas Goddard wide open in the end zone. And he was asked about that after the game, and he broke down the play and what was supposed to happen and how basically Goddard was supposed to be a decoy but the coverage busted and he ended up being wide open when he was supposed to be double covered. So like, it's understandable why he would miss Goddard in that position because Goddard in that play wasn't even really one of his reads. And if he was, he was like a third or fourth read. 
Well, listen, I think the bottom line is this. Jalen Hurts is a growing, developing quarterback. Um, yes. There, there's no reason to call for Gardner Minshew. That's absolutely – it's got to be the alcohol talking. No. Uh, Gardner Minshew these... is not very good. People let some – people let one game against the Giants where he played fine make them think that he'll come in and do anything? He, well, he played Gardner very Minshew, well, my opinion, against the Giants, but that's listen, not the other 200 yards and two touchdowns against the Giant, uh, the Jets is is what anyone should do. If you're a backup quarterback in the NFL and you are even decent, it's what you should do. The Jets Correct. are a horrendous organization. But, I mean, dude, the fans in the city are either – they're either rational or they're not. Uh, Jalen Hurts is a growing, developing player. This coaching staff is growing and learning every week. And you know what? Uh, the past couple of weeks, they've, they've shown a lot of improvement. So I'm yeah. um, all on board with this being a successful season. Um, when the, but we do have some, some we do have somewhere to do. Uh, obviously, listen, like, I, I know this is like a saying, like you know, a big like kind of like if statement. But when the offense is clicking, man, they they can put up points. And I know it was the Giants, but the we saw the Giants' offense or defense give the Eagles major problems earlier a couple weeks ago when they played, and this mm-hmm. week. Uh, this week you see them drop a lot of points. I forget exactly how many in the 30s or whatever, but you see a, a large number of points being dropped at the moment. Like when this offense is clicking in the right ways, it's not a bad offense really at all. Like I know that there is a lot to be desired at the wide receiver position besides Devontae Smith, who has been fantastic. He need, he obviously has been struggling for targets in a running offense, but when that ball is thrown his way, it's usually satisfactory. Like he makes some amazing catches, and I really think he is going to be a star. Him and he definitely have a lot of potential to grow together and really be one of those special duos. I'm on board, but um, but yeah, um, obviously you want to see more running back because Jordan, ha- as much as Jordan Howard and Boston Scott have been fine, like without Miles Sanders at running back, like now that he's hurt, and obviously he hasn't even been having that great of a year. Um, like our running game is weird now because, and even when Miles plays, you don't have a single good um, pass catching back. Miles right. Sanders isn't that. Jordan Howard certainly is not that. And Boston Scott is the best of the bunch, and even he really isn't that. And then Kenny Gainwell has just kind of gotten lost in translation for whatever reason. But so you you want to see more at the running back position, like from one, like you want one of those guys to step up and be the guy. And now with Miles out, I don't really know. Like, hopefully it'll be Jordan Howard, I guess. But, like, yeah, there's there's some things to work on this offense. But one thing that I wanted to comment about that's been great for not only this week, but for the last couple of weeks, ever since they got healthy, is the offensive line. They've looked great. Yeah, absolutely. They, they really stepped I mean, up. Jordan, uh, yeah. My line they, has been very been good. Lane, obviously, catches a touchdown this week, which that was – honestly, I have to say, that is my favorite moment of the season, seeing – uh. Lane catches touchdown and do you know the the Lambo leap, uh, whatever you want to call it at the link. That was awesome. The link leap and uh, like it just made me so happy because you know he was going through some mental issues earlier in the year, and it, it just felt like a nice moment to like see him get some love from the fans and you know just a just a heartwarming moment. Some to see. Um... I'm happy for Lane. All he's been through the past uh, past couple months, or who knows how long he's been going through that, but uh, yeah. def- definitely well earned. And like you can tell, like how respected he is in the locker room, because I know this was, I think this was before the game when uh, Jason Kelsey was talking about, you know, the impact that guys like Lane Johnson st- standing up for 
you know, mental health advocacy in the NFL. And like Jason Dukowski was moved to tears talking about it. Yeah. And like, it is a, it is a very important thing in the NFL. And up until maybe this year, the year before, a lot of people didn't want to talk about it. Cause you know, it's just like, Oh, they're supposed to be tough men, but you know, shit like that gets to everybody. So it's yeah. nice to see guys like Lena take that step up, knowing that they could be ridiculed for and be called soft. Like, some people in the national media, which I won't name to give them any credit, have said I things like that about Calvin Ridley and Lane I Johnson. Think I, I, I wish I, I don't honestly, I don't even remember the guy's name. I forget what show it was, but someone saying that Calvin Ridley was soft for taking time off for being like getting his mental health right, which is just fucking insane. Totally. Like, what, an, what an insane take. These are human beings, but no, but um, yeah, the offensive line, man, just like uh, they've been great. And like I said, I already named them, but. Uh, I don't think Landon Dickerson played, but actually he might. I don't even remember, to be completely honest, and that sounds terrible. But he's been great this year. Mylod has been great this year. Obviously, Jason Kelsey is one of the best centers ever. And Lane Johnson, ever since he came back, has been good. And this offense is starting to click a little bit. So you just hope we got two games left here. We got the football team again next week and then the Cowboys. And obviously, we don't know what that Cowboys game will look like. Well, yes, we do. They're going to sit their starters. I would assume that they will at that point have the NFC East locked up. So you really have one competitive game left because you should beat the Cowboys backups. Correct. And if the season were to end today, we would have a matchup with the Cowboys in the wild card round. And I said this earlier, but even if we were to lose that game, it would be electric. The build up to a Cowboys Eagles playoff game would be very electric. Obviously, I'm saying right now we would probably lose that game because even as the Eagles fans and the bias we have, you know, I think it's safe to admit that uh, the Cowboys offense is very special when they're clicking and they definitely clicked for maybe the first time against the football team the other night and really put the smack down on them. Well, I mean, you could take that with a grain of salt though. I mean, there, there's, Don't get me wrong. Yeah, to the, me, there's an the asterisk team. next to that one. It is the football team but it's scary to see the Cowboys with all the weapons they have finally kind of getting it together. I will, however, hold on to the fact that Mike McCarthy is their coach and he always He's collapses. Terrible. And I, yeah, it's honestly, Seamus, this is going to sound crazy to some people. If I would have said this a couple weeks ago, is Nick Sirianni the best coach in the NFC East? Uh, prob- he might be. I mean, Ron right. Rivera, Ron maybe. Rivera maybe, but like Joe Judge is a joke. And Mike McCarthy, I think, is not a good coach. Ron Rivera is a good coach and I respect him. It's definitely Sirianni Rivera, which is honestly something you wouldn't have expected to say that Nick Sirianni was contending to be the best coach. But no, but uh, that's actually a good point. And we all know that McCarthy got bailed out by Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, I mean he had Aaron Rodgers for his His entire career. career. They won one Super Bowl. Correct. But um, even if they lose that game, which I think they will, it will still be electric. And what's funny is we will say now, you know, a couple weeks removed, they'll probably lose. But in that coming week, when it's the week of the matchup. We'll all talk ourselves into the Eagles are going to win that game, and that's I'm, the best part about being a Philly sports. I, I already jumped ship, man. I was I was anti the Eagles going to the playoffs because I didn't think they earned it. Well, guess what, bitch? They're earning it now. So uh, yeah. I'm very excited. Um, I'm ready for that tailgate down at the link for a playoff yeah. game. Uh, the game won't be electric. the game won't be home, but we can get uh, an live. That's what I'm saying. There's going to be a tailgate, dude. There's always a tailgate for Eagles playoffs games, bro. As long as I'm involved. You know what we can do? We can set up from the news. Since we don't have any history of technical difficulties, we can set up from weeds <laughs> down at the stadium and just do our thing down there. We can have a, we can have a party. We can, we can have a few drinks, some liquid. It's, it's some Bud Light. It's going to be amazing. Bud Light, not a sponsor, by the way. But So 
Go in ahead. other, like, somewhat Phil, uh, Eagles-related news, um, first of all, Carson Wentz has passed 75% of the snaps. Yes, so which, the Eagles which, which, will, regardless, how I feel about that. I don't even give a shit anymore. The Eagles, the Eagles will get their first-round pick regardless of whether they make the playoffs or not, which hey, honestly – Carson Wentz be the one that picks for us instead of, um, instead of uh, Howie? But listen, the good news is no matter if the Colts are in the playoffs or not now, we will get the pick. And honestly, right now, that's good because I don't know if the Colts are going to make the playoffs because I also think, Car- I think also, they will vision. Also, in Carson Wentz news, he went out with COVID today in the COVID protocols. Well, now, that's funny. I thought all vaccinated players just didn't have a chance of getting a co- – oh, wait. Well, Carson is unvaccinated. Oh, wait a minute now. And the CDC did just pass their shit about five-day quarantine, which whatever. Well, but my, it looks- I have my own thoughts on that, and I Car- think it's – I think they yeah. just want people to go to work so the economy can keep going and they don't give a fuck about our lives. That's that's what yeah. I think. Yeah, I mean, that's it pretty much. But that's another podcast. Um, <laughs> I agree, though. But Carson, um, he won't be playing. So whoever – I think the backup is Sam Ellinger. So is Carson setting himself up for another um, getting outshined by a backup quarterback? How funny would that be? Uh yeah, dude, I, I wouldn't put anything past that. Past that, but man. yeah. So regardless, we're getting a first round pick from the Colts. Good news for us. Um, it's in the news of another uh, ex Eagle quarterback, one that's maybe just a little bit more beloved, Nick Foles was the starter for the Bears on BDN. BDN. I thought he was sitting on his couch. Big, big Nick. He was. Uh, he start. He got the start for the Bears on Sunday against the Seahawks, and he won. He uh, happy for him. He uh, had a game-winning nothing... drive through a game game time. It would have been a game time touchdown, but they went for two, which he converted, and they won the game. Good for him. Nothing but the best for Nick Foles, and I I I love when he succeeds. Love that Who man. Does, yeah, Nick Foles, great guy, uh, Philadelphia legend. I hope one day he uh, when he chooses to retire, which I don't see how he won't do this, but I'm sure he'll retire in Midnight Green. Uh, he has to. Um, he has. What the hell is he going to do? Retire a bear? He he's got to retire a um a Philadelphia Eagle. Um Absolutely. I back like outside of the Super Bowl obviously and him like literally being responsible for a parade. Um I think back to that game he had against Oakland cuz I remember watching the seven that, touchdowns. The seven touchdown. I remember watching that game and I'm like this kid has so much talent. It's not even funny. Um obviously he didn't have that much success in the league as a starter. But um still a hell of a player, high football IQ. And uh, a great a guy, a, a really great person too. Good person bought a parade to Philadelphia, the first Super Bowl ever, and uh, he will never have to buy a drink in this city. He uh, he made he gave me my only uh, cry during a sports moment when we won the Super Bowl. So oh, I I cried no way. See, I was a little too young to cry. I can't, I loved the Phillies back then. Like I watched them religiously, but I didn't cry. The closest I, I came to. The other, the only time I came close to crying during watching a sport was um, when Kawhi hit that shot against the Sixers. But I was so broken I couldn't feel emotion. Yeah, correct. Um, the confetti game, I also cried. Um, the confetti game. You remember the, the confetti game? Yes, I cried. Because <laughs> we lost. Yeah, I cried. Was I was a, also was really, rough. really, dr- I was really, really drunk at a bar in uh, Narberth. So. Yeah. Um, that might have contributed because I didn't really give a damn too much about the Sixers back then. Uh, and I still don't because they're a 500 team and we don't really care about 500 teams here. So, um, but um, 
we could get into the Sixers, but to me, that would be a waste of time. Uh, Embiid is Embiid. He's a monster. Everyone else <laughs> kind of sucks besides Maxie. Um, Nothing else has really happened with the Sixers since we last came. I mean, no, they're ben pretty Simmons much stagnant. They're hovering around 500. Um, they are what they are. Um, they're not going to make any moves. I know that for a fact. Besides, like, I mean, you see they, they threw in these guys off the street. They signed these guys off the street like a couple of days ago. But, I mean, there's not going to be any big impact move at all. I feel I feel very comfortable in saying no, that. No, I, I, I honestly agree. It seems like uh, right now Daryl Morey is more interested in uh, pairing with cryptocurrency. Well, Daryl Morey is not the GM. You could talk about, oh, well, he had to compete with Golden State and everything else. And, oh, you can talk to me about James Harden. He's never won anything, dude. Never won anything. There's zero, zero excuse. I don't care about the whole Golden State shit, dude. He could have found a way to get better. He could have found well, a way. Golden State was a fucking powerhouse, but that's beyond the point. Yeah, but that's going to um, be – the only reason why he has a job in the NBA is because of that excuse. So, and, all right, so that's your excuse. Come to Philadelphia, make something happen. He's sitting on his He's sitting on his ass doing nothing. We'll see what happens. I mean, this Ben Simmons shit is – for it's gonna never end. I think it's Maury's fault, be, dude. He should have just got rid of him, dude. He should have just got rid of him for be a sixer. Until we are elderly men, just for like the memes of it. But let's not even talk too much about the Sixers. They're they have nothing to offer right now. I mean, they're playing a game, a con- tightly contested game with a Raptors team who's missing half of its team due to COVID right now. But that's Correct. beyond the point. Seamus, we opened up and we talked a little bit about Bruce Springsteen, and Michael Jackson's renditions of Santa Claus is coming to town. Yes. As we all know, there is a large catalog of Christmas songs. And let's talk about our favorites. Okay. So if you listen to the show last week, we did Christmas movies. We both list all three of us, including Pat and Taylor, who we won't be able to get input from tonight, sadly. Type Um, it in the Instagram and we can read the hell he says. But uh, we, we listed our favorite Christmas movie and a least favorite or one we think is overrated. So let's just do the same thing tonight. So, Seamus, what is your favorite Christmas song? I mean, does it really have to, like, do you really – are you really asking me this, or is this, like – I mean, a, I know what you're going to say. You're going to say the Bruce Springsteen Santa Claus is coming to town. I mean, how can you get better than the boss? How? You can't. But I will tell you this. I have a few other ones. Yeah, uh, let's hear some more. Just for – All right. You know, well, the, some people think this is an overrated song. Dude, Jingle Bell Rock is a, is a jam. Don't care. It is a jam. Um, so my overrated song, because we did this with the movies, right? My yeah. overrated song is Mariah Carey's All I Want for Christmas Is You. It is oh. the worst. It, it's actually one of the worst songs of all time. Not only in the not only in the category of Christmas music, but I'm talking all time. It's up there with most things by Mac Miller. It's up there with... You um, hate Mac Miller for no reason. Uh, it, it's up there with... Um, you know, rest in peace, by the way. It's up there with a lot of the bad songs, right? Uh, this Christmas, Donny Hathaway is the goat Xmas song, says K-Bop, who is a heathen for saying Xmas, by the way. But uh, thanks, Taylor. Producer Taylor says uh, this Christmas by Donny Hathaway is the goat Christmas song. I don't think I like uh, – I think it's one of the more overrated ones. But um, Mariah Carey's All I Want Is You, most overrated. Well, Mariah Carey's All I Want for Christmas is You is my favorite. And well, I'm going to tell, tell you why. And I got roasted for this by some last.media media people on Twitter. Um, I'm no, not a big we're name dropping today, baby. I'm not a big um, fan of Christmas music. Like, it's not my favorite. People love it. I'm not, like, crazy about it. But there's no feeling 
at least for me, you know, I'm 22 years old and the problem of my life as far as drinking goes, there's no feeling like being in the bar in December, late um, night, <laughs> and all I want for Christmas is you comes on. Everyone Why? Get, everyone... It doesn't even make it's any famous. sense to me. Seamus, because it's a fun song. It's a, like, you know, like the slow nah. in the beginning, then the build up and the beat builds up. And it's but, but dude, it was, it was fun when it first came out. It is the most overplayed, strung out thing that I've, that I've heard. It's terrible. But I'm, I'm trying to say when you're drunk in the bar in December and you're not thinking about how draw, drawn out the song is, it's fun. Okay. I mean, but obviously we disagree on that. And I think Mariah Carey is one of the most overrated artists of all time, too. So, well, Mariah Carey has one of the greatest voices ever, but I don't know how her music Did you ever, is. like, go on YouTube and look at her, like, voice, like, failing consistently at live shows? Oh, well, yeah, nowadays it does, but her voice is, like, one of the greatest. That's actually, never been like, objectively. His, his voice has stayed the same, my friend. Stayed the same because Bruce doesn't have even the vocal capability, the vocal range to get as high as Mariah Carey does, and that's not like shitting on Bruce. Many many people don't. Mick Jagger, but, um, pretty high, bro. I don't know if let, Mick Jagger get I listed my favorite Christmas song. Now let me list to you. I'm not even gonna do overrated. I'm gonna do by far what I think is the worst Christmas song ever, and also one of the worst pieces of music ever created, and that's. Simply having a wonderful Christmas time by Paul McCartney. <laughs> that I agree with you. That I... song is so, so, so terrible and annoying. It's bad. It's... It, whoever mixed and mastered that beat and engineered it, I don't know what the fuck they were listening to because it sounds like shit. It's, uh, it's just, it's annoying. The effect they put on Paul's voice is annoying. The, the constantly just repeating the same shit over <laughs> and over. I don't like the flow it uses. It's, oh it's... my God, is it annoying. It's very bad. And, and it's one of those songs that if you work in retail, you will hear that song a million times in Christmas in the fucking stores. Like, dude, just – I agree with you. Just listen to the intro. Like, what? what is that noise? Yeah. Like, I don't understand that. It's and then I have, an, I have an honorable mention for a hated Christmas song. All right. Uh, You're a mean one, Mr. Grinch. Oh, that is terrible. I mean – that... Now, you want to talk about annoying. That's another <laughs> annoying song because it's just talking. And on top of that, I have beef. No, <laughs> it is just talking about, isn't it? On top of that, I have like beef. I want to get off with the Grinch in general. The story, <laughs> the story of the Grinch is fucking. It's bullshit. The, you, the, well, obviously, it's bullshit. Well, no, no. But like, the story of the Grinch is is absolutely ridiculous because you're meant to believe that the Grinch is some bad guy and he's like evil. But like, they show you in his flashbacks that he was bullied out of society because he looked different. <laughs> And they drove him into seclusion in a mountain. And now he's angry about it, but he's the bad guy. Bro, you summed, you summed that up so well. Like, uh, how, is the some... Grinch, how is the Grinch the bad, evil guy, even though these people drove him out of society solely because he looked different and they called him a monster? <laughs> the Who's are evil, not them. <laughs> That's actually a really good point. Oh, God. I will say this. Mike Myers did a hell – or was that Jim Carrey or Mike Myers? Jim Carrey. I get. I don't know why I get those two confused, but they did do a great – whoever the hell it is. No, you're getting him confused because Mike Myers was the cat in the hat. <laughs> That's right. I always think Jim Carrey's the cat in the hat. Oh, no, God. but that's, the story of the Grinch is one of the biggest bullshits of Christmas because the Grinch is not even a bad guy. He was, he was driven into seclusion by those evil people. And you know what's another story? What's another story that bothers me? Rudolph. 
Because Why? Rudolph, Rudolph was also bullied for looking different. And one day Santa needed him, and Rudolph was just like, <laughs> yeah, sure. But yeah. I'm like, no, dude, fuck you. You let me be bullied my whole life. Well, he took advantage of, of, a, of a reindeer with, a, with something going on. But I will tell you this. Suddenly uh, they all loved him when they needed him, but they bullied him his whole life. They, yeah, and we are against bullying here from the Nosebleeds. But I will say this. Um, I, I got to go back to the Grinch. I, I've, and by the way, I promised Vince Quinn, uh, friend of the show, uh, that this wouldn't go off the rails. But it's gone completely down a rabbit hole because once you mentioned this, uh, how the Grinch stole Christmas thing and how he was just a child and he was bullied because of the way he looked. Um, and basically um, – uh, he was basically uh, cast off into the wilderness yeah. because these Whoville people who look insane, by the way, in their own rights, um, because these Whoville people didn't like the way he looked. So he went into a mountain with his dog, who kind of looks like your dog, by the way, in the movie. Very cute little dog. Um, goes into the mountains. Has It's actually a nice spot up in the mountains. He's got like a setup up there, right? Mm-hmm. So he's like, listen, I want to make these people's lives a living hell for torturing me. And what better way to do it than by destroying their favorite holiday? So honestly, God bless him. Um, I hope the Grinch gets the help that he needs if he's listening. Um, would love to get him on the show. But in all seriousness, that story makes absolutely no sense. And uh, Eric Crichton, for those of you who are listening to the show on um, – on the uh, podcast app is spamming our Instagram live feed right now. And uh, he just joined and he wants you all to know the from the newsbleeds uh, audience uh, quote, Bruce Poopstein unquote. So that is his contribution to the show. And that is actually the most he's ever said uh, on a podcast in his entire life. So thank you, Eric. Um, but seriously, and I think that you should bring this up again, Vince, since we're on the Chris, it's still Christmas until January 6th. The whole made-up thing where that was the actual day when Jesus went to the manger. January January sixth. Well, oh uh, yeah, uh, January sixth. I mean, that's seriously what little Christmas. Yeah, but do you, think um, gonna, do you think they're gonna run it back this year? They might. You know, just like maybe like a yearly, uh, a yearly get together and why not try to storm the Capitol? I'm not advocating for it, but it'd be make good content for the show. That's for damn sure. Um, I will say this though. Uh, you made a great point two weeks ago about a Christmas movie and how um, – it, it, can you explain it to me again, how, like the whole Santa thing? Oh, um, yeah. I said it on the last week's show. In these, in the movies, in Christmas movies where Santa the, Claus – Be up front, we, both Vince and I do believe in Santa Claus. We're just saying – Oh, of course. We're just saying for the, um, for the movie's perspective. Go ahead. Yeah. So in these movies where Santa Claus is in fact real – so Santa is real in, in certain movies, and there are parents in these movies that don't believe in Santa. Where do they think the presents are coming from? Like, right. Parents, it's totally insane. If the parents in this movie don't believe Santa is real, do they not wake up questioning where all the gifts came from? <laughs> that, bro, Vince, that was like the best point I've ever heard anybody make. And I used I used to listen to Noam Chomsky do talks and stuff. <laughs> you you make Noam Chomsky look like an idiot. But uh, no, but it's like it's a it's a glaring plot hole in all of these movies. Like in the Polar Express is the main one I think of it because like it, you know they don't believe in Santa, but like where do they think the shit came from? They just think that these presents magically appeared. 
Like, but but the thing I don't get about the Polar Express is is a lot. By the way, I don't understand yeah, I don't, any. I'm not a fan of that movie, to be honest. I, the more I, I think I, of I it, that was my most overrated. The right, you did. And the more I think about that movie, the less it makes sense to me. And maybe tonight after the show, <laughs> I'll rewatch it and come back with another uh, next week. Hopefully, if we're all together, if everyone's healthy, we could talk about it. But these parents don't believe in Santa Claus, right? But they just nonchalantly accept the fact that there's Christmas gifts all over the place on Christmas morning every single year, and they just don't question it. They just blindly accept it. Um, but but they believe in letting children, little boys, hop on random trains with creepy conductors that are voiced by Tom Hanks. Well, I guess technically the parents. Oh, didn't I, know I don't about get that. it. Huh? I guess technically the parents don't know about that because the main kid's parents had no idea. Yeah, but, like, why don't they keep tabs on their children? Like, the whole thing is bizarre. Um, maybe I'm getting too invested in plots of Christmas movies. I don't know. But um, I will tell you this. Elf, who, which I listed as one of my overrated movies, I think, didn't I? I believe you did. Or was it my favorite movie? So I I no, my favorite movie was Home Alone 2. Mine was Home Alone 2. By the way, today, I, instead of preparing for the show, I dived down a Home Alone 2 rabbit hole. What kind of you know, rabbit holes know, are there for Home Alone? All right, for example, you know how Watch Mojo has the same lady that does the voices? She's like, Watch yeah. Mojo? Like, it's a weird voice. But they it's do a great, great job. It's a great voice. Oh, yeah. Because you're, you're, you're the judge and jury of voices after telling me that prepubescent Michael Jackson has a good voice. But uh, I digress. <clears throat> so, 15 facts you don't know about the uh, Home Alone 2, right? I'm not going to get into every single one of them here. I'm not an as a news guy. But one of the facts is how Marv – remember Marv? Yes, Marv. He, he was the one that was not Joe Pesci. He was the other guy, the tall guy. He, the other guy. guy. Correct. He actually quit mid-production of Home Alone 2. Really? Yeah, because they needed him for more time than he agreed. He agreed to film for six weeks. They needed him for eight weeks. And he said, are you going to compensate me? And they said, no, our budget is already extremely low. We can't afford to do that. He quit. They brought oh, in another. Too. They brought in another guy. The guy totally didn't gel with uh, Pesci, so they convinced this other guy, who the original Marv, to come back, and uh, he did it. I hope he got his payment that he deserved. He didn't. <laughs> he did. No, he didn't. Wait, but uh, is that like the only? Uh, is that the only thing you find on the rabbit hole of Home Alone too? Well, no. I mean, there were other there was other stuff. I just don't remember it because then I just went directly to an interview of Macaulay Culkin uh, being interviewed by Regis when he was. You know what I love about the Home Alone series? What's that? First two movies are about just like a home break in. The third movie is about international terrorists. (laughs) I've never seen the. I've never seen the third one. (laughs) I mean, it's like a wild jump from a kid (laughs) trying to stop. Two home burglars to a kid trying to stop a group of international terrorists. Yeah, I, I, like that's news to me because I never even bothered to check it out. I was like, no, McCulkin, no, Macaulay Culkin, Seamus is not interested. But um, uh, they went all a little off the rails after. By the way, speaking of Macaulay Culkin and Michael Jackson being involved in the same podcast, you do know the allegations and the rumors, correct? Yeah, but Macaulay Culkin has vehemently denied those allegations uh, because the Illuminati would kill him. But uh, I digress. Um, <laughs> Watch that sarcastic remark by me get me banned from Instagram. Like, that would happen. <laughs> like, oh, uh, the guy says that there's an Illuminati, and he's fear-mongering. Oh, by the way, 
off topic again, but our friend Alex Jones. Uh, our, hear- no, 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 not our friend. Not our friend, but I mean, we like to talk about him because he's a lunatic. Um, Alex Jones was in the news. For now. He got assaulted by his wife. Normally, I wouldn't laugh at a man being assaulted by his wife, but since it's Alex Jones, and he's uh, like listen. And of- by the way, if she was put in jail, like in my neighborhood for that, I, I would be the first person to go up to the goddamn sheriff's office and uh, bail her. Like, no. That's yeah, I mean, what Alex Alex Jones deserves to get assaulted by a myriad of people. Oh, I mean, I'm not. All right, listen, I'm not, I'm not condoning that because it's Instagram and like we know how they are. But um, yeah, I, yeah I'm, say, I'm not advocating for the assault would, of Alex right, Jones. So I'm your not favorite. What's your favorite Christmas song then? You said All I Want for Christmas, right, Mariah Carey? Yes. That's my least favorite Christmas song. Uh, your least favorite Christmas song is uh, Paul McCartney's Terrible, Simply Having a Wonderful Christmas. What a waste of time that song is. Yeah. It's... Uh, so we're in agreement there. Um, listen, man, I'm not really that into Christmas songs. People are. It's fun. Neither to... am I. Right. Springsteen's Santa Claus Coming to Town is the best, whatever. Cover that. Um, are there any other songs that you really dig? Like, see, I don't like the whole, like, sad ones that like i'll be listening to like b101 and like hot, like jingle bells on then like rocking around the christmas tree and then there's this like eight minute song about like homeless children on christmas and I'm yeah like, some of them are too i don't want to hear that i like the fun ones like i like uh, i like rocking around the christmas tree is a pretty good one yeah um, and like, like the, i don't church one the church ones annoy me like like do you hear what i hear that is one of the worst songs like ever do you hear what i hear like yeah i mean I'm not deaf. I hear what you hear. Like, I, I don't like that. Um, yeah, a lot of the, like, since we were indoctrinated in Catholicism, we heard all this. Uh, honestly, like, yeah. I'm, like, blanking so hard on Christmas songs right now. Jingle Bells? Can, Jingle Bells is a classic. Jingle Bell Rock is one of the best. Honestly, did, did, have you I'm, ever I'm kind of blanking too, bro. Would you ever get confused at the beginning of the song where – you couldn't tell if it was Jingle Bell Rock or Rocking Around the Christmas Tree. They start <laughs> yeah. very similarly. Yes, yes. They do sound gu- similar. Like a little guitar riff that sounds very similar on both songs. I never know what's yeah, going to yeah, be yeah. the first word out of the mouth Ooh, when I hear it. You know it. what a good one is? Rum Rudolph Run, Chuck Berry. Very good. That's a good one. Um, Grandma Got Run Over by a Christmas Tree is one of the worst. Or, well, Grandma got she got run over by a reindeer. reindeer. Sorry. Uh, yeah, a reindeer. Sorry. That would have been fun. You ever see the cartoon for that? I feel like I have a long time ago. Watched all the time. I used to love it. Oh, it yeah, was, we kind of you know we it left was a out, weird part of my life. When we were talking about Christmas movies, we left out like uh, did you ever watch? Like I'm I'm the same. Did you ever watch? We all know we did. Like there was a freaking like stop motion. You know the Rudolph the Red nosed Reindeer movie. Ah, yeah, like, that yeah like, yeah, um, yeah. The quote unquote classics. The year without Santa Claus. Where they all look. Insane, yeah. Snow miser and heat miser, or whatever the fuck they're called. Dude, that stuff is like very creepy. Looking back, like those cartoons that my mom and dad were like, "Oh, you gotta watch it because everyone watches it for the past fifty years." They were I forget, weird. I forget which movie it is that has the character named Burger Meister Meister Burger. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, I know. Which fucking one is that? I don't know. I have no clue. But yeah, I, I don't know. I, they're like they're like all the same movie to me. Are you a fan of those movies? Uh, not really. I mean, no, not really. I mean, they are they are classics. I, I've watched the the Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer movie like a million times in my life. We all have. But and then there's that there's that second one with Baby New Year. I just remembered that right now. Yeah, that's right. You know, it's a great holiday song, though, man. What? 
all 30 of the Adam Sandler's The Hanukkah songs. They all, are good. All, like, 30 of them. All 30 of them. Dude, They're like, classic. underrated one was when he hosted SNL, and, like, he just did, like, the acoustic version. It was awesome, dude. The Hanukkah songs, like... The Hanukkah. That's my favorite Christmas song is the Hanukkah song, to be honest with you. <laughs> the Hanukkah song is big. The Hanukkah songs, parts one through ten, are my favorite. Well, Shane, do you have anything else here? I guess uh, we're kind of getting to the end here. Well, dude, all I got to say is I apologize for um, not being in studio. I didn't realize the stream yard was going to malfunction <laughs> at my house. But the Wi-Fi is interesting. The inter- wait a minute. But the Instagram Live works fine. And Taylor's recording, so it's going to get posted onto um, – uh, the podcast. What the hell are they called? Apple Podcast. Apple Podcast. Apple Podcast. All that good stuff. Spotify, iHeartRadio app, which nobody uses, I don't think. I but um, so. <laughs> but uh, it's going to be posted there. Oh, so, it'll be there. It'll be there. But yeah, this was the weirdest uh, episode of the show that I've ever experienced in all my years of doing this show. Honestly, I want everyone to uh, spam Taylor with hashtag release the Taylor cut because that piece of audio... That piece of audio we recorded on StreamYard is maybe the funniest 30 minutes of recording ever. Because I, I could submit is, that to SNL, and I would get a, a part immediately, and so would Vince. Seamus is on, like, an eight-second delay with everything he says, and it's just – so just, you know, tweet, like, maybe, like, hashtag release the Doyle cut. All right, release the Doyle cut. That's fine. Release the tapes. Expose it's the hell funny. out of it. But, but we uh, do it. Let's give the producer Taylor's uh, Twitter handle because I don't even know what the hell it is. Do you know it? I think his Twitter handle is at kbop with a, a dash under, like an underscore. And like an underscore, at kbop, at kbop underscore. So spam him. Release the Seamus tapes. I like the Seamus <laughs> tape better. All right. So, so rest in peace, Jock Madden. Right. Listen, listen, I got a lot of hell on Twitter already because I always get hell on Twitter for things. But um, yeah, you're, t- you're a preacher to the choir. Dude, like people like DM'd me about this. Also said, first of all, I said, listen, K-Bop yep. underscore. By the way, that's producer Taylor to those watching on Instagram. You can go follow him. He's got great content. But uh, really stuff. But I will tell you this. What the hell was I saying? Yeah, all I said was rest in peace, John Madden. And then the next time. Uh, I mean. Okay. I, and then the next tweet, I said, how is it an unexpected death if you're 85? Yeah, like, I mean, he and, lived longer than the life expectancy in America. Like, like, how is that unexpected? Like, it's sad that he died. Sure, he was a legend. But that's not unexpected. Like, if I yeah. woke up tomorrow and, and I read, oh, John Madden died, I wouldn't be like, oh, my God. Like, Eric I guess, was like, oh, my God, this is like a, tra- a national trage- tragedy that an 85 died. The word, the word sudden can be used because I guess, like, you know, anyone can die suddenly. Like, even if you are older. Like, yeah, but the, the word that they use was unexpected. Uh, listen, yeah, unexpected is a little different. It doesn't matter. People are like, have you no heart, Seamus? Yeah, and I was Christmas like, maybe I don't. Maybe maybe I'm the Grinch. Maybe I'm the Grinch because I said an old dude that was <laughs> some old ass dude who happened to be a legend died at 85. I'll take 85. Will you take 85, Vince? I will take. I would listen. I want to go before 85, dude. And by the way, I I do I do have a theory. I think if you make it past 50, just be grateful enough. You did most of it. You're halfway there. But, uh, All right. Well, on that incredibly dark note, one. <laughs> I'm sorry, dude. That's All just right. reality. I have nothing else to say here. This was the worst episode of From the Newsweeds. Um, it, the, the absolute worst. The audio is going to be terrible. Thank God we have Taylor, who's such a great producer, a great mixer. Just he's good at everything. 
Um, so shout out, Taylor. In the world, shout out Taylor. Let's go birds. Nobody cares about the Sixers. At least I don't care about the Sixers. The Phillies are a distant memory to me and are probably not going to come back anyway. <laughs> <laughs> um, <clears throat> I might have to start watching some union, some old union yes, teams. Sir. You know what I mean? I, I might hop on that. Um, yeah. Nikki will be onto a soccer bandwagon. That's what I might do. Yes, sir. Do you have any closing arguments? Like this is no. the OG or something? you have any uh, closing <laughs> arguments? This is it. Uh, definitely not the episode we expected to give you guys, but uh, Bob, I guess something better than nothing. One more thing. I might actively try to get OJ Simpson on the podcast. Think No, seriously. Think about Seamus Doyle having a conversation with OJ Simpson. Uh, I don't want to think about that. And honestly, I can't even picture that in my mind. Why? I, dude, I think that would be a conversation that the world would have to see. <laughs> Seriously. All right, well, anything. I guess we know what we're doing. Listen, I wouldn't week. say anything about anything. Like, you know, he, he got he got acquitted, right? Like Johnny Cochran said, clubs don't fit. You must acquit. They acquit it. So I'm not maybe gonna like you can, maybe, maybe we can try to get um, OJ on the podcast, like, when he's, like, dying. So, like, maybe he'll want to, like, really tell some things. <laughs> maybe like, you know, Seamus Dingle. One journalist that cracked him. Maybe, that maybe got the uh, truth. you know, he'll, he'll want to get some things off his chest before he goes. One, one good thing that he would be able to talk to us about is fantasy football. That dude knows so much about <laughs> fantasy. He gives the best fantasy yeah, football. Yeah, we're going gonna to bring OJ Simpson on the podcast to talk about fantasy football. May have chopped up his wife and uh, the, the poor dude that she was banging. May have done that. Yeah. May not have, but may have. But he knows his fantasy football. All right. That's it. <laughs> on that note, Merry Christmas. We're getting, oh, by the way, Mummer's Parade is on um, New Year's, obviously. Uh, obviously. <laughs> as a Mummer, I just want to tell everyone out there that um, just be safe. Because this Omicron or Omicron, whatever the hell it is, I, I don't know what it is. But uh, it's out there. So just be safe. Be safe New Year's Eve. Um Vince, I hope you feel better, man. Thank you, Seamus. Hopefully it's not good, but guess what? It is. I'm pretty sure it is. I'm no doctor. We'll see. I've already been quarantining for, like, multiple days, so. Oh, well, Fauci said you're fine after, what, five days? (laughs) Fauci said keep it at two 15-minute breaks. (laughs) All right. Well, what are your symptoms, though? Uh, Right now, like, honestly, I'm pretty good. Any fever? Any coughing? I did have a fever like a couple days ago. That's really passed. Coughing still a little bit. That's weird. Last Christmas when I got diagnosed with COVID, by the way, Merry Christmas. Um, no fever, none of that. Yeah, it's none weird. Symptoms are like different for everybody. Luckily, yeah. luckily, taste and smell still kicking. Thank God. Thanks for sticking with us. Shout out to Tower, the producer. Uh, let's uh, go. Let's get a playoff spot. Go Birds. Uh, Happy New Year. We'll see you next year. Happy New Year.